All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking nears? What the fuck, Adelics? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Thank you for listening to it. On the show today, Sam Rockwell and I talk a, a bit about his new film, Mr. Wright, with the amazing Anna Kendrick. It was a fast-moving conversation that went a lot of directions, but it uh, it was great to meet him and great to talk to him, and uh, it was it was fun. But before that, it, it, coming up very shortly, uh, Richard Linkletter uh, stopped by to talk about his new movie. He came by, man. He came by the house. He was in town, you know, doing a little press for his uh, for his uh, his new film. Everybody wants some, which I saw. That Linkletter is a solid dude. He's a class act, and this movie is a fun fucking movie. And you know what else? I don't know if you remember the last conversation I had with uh, with Richard, but he we talked a bit about Thin Lizzy, and it he fucking showed up at my house with Thin Lizzy jailbreak on vinyl as a gift. That that is a fucking amazing dude. But look forward to that. We did a nice little uh, interview with uh, Mr. Linkletter about uh, about the new movie. So what what's happening? What 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 is the urgency? Okay, uh, uh, some outstanding business. I reached out to you guys to help me name a piece of furniture, and uh, there was a lot of input, uh, mostly credenza. I appreciate the input, but like I don't know that that would necessarily have slipped my mind. What she used to call it, and I believe what it is in some parts of the world, and this is where I learned that you know some furnitures are called different things. It was a buffet. Now I know that doesn't start with the letter C, but you know I'm getting older, brains getting mushy. But it was a buffet. That was what I threw out gladly and and exercised myself of a of a of a draining ghost vessel that was uh, doing nothing uh, but subconsciously taxing my emotions. And man, did that start a roll, man? I have been I've been throwing shit out like crazy. My house actually is comfortable and I like sitting in it. It's not this clutter fest out here in the garage. Well, that's a that's another situation. I'd like to read this email before I talk to Richard because um, it's sort of uh, it's sort of resonant from Ethan. Uh, subject line: Sobriety and selvage denim. Hi, Mark. Sobriety is something I've struggled with for about six years. Ever since I discovered drinking, it's been an everyday part of my life, but that's not the point of this message. Thankfully, your podcast, and more importantly, your television show, has taught me ways to deal with not drinking as much. Mm. Hmm. I especially enjoy your frustration with raw and selvage denim on the IFC show. Sitting in a bathtub with stiff jeans is agonizing. As someone who is constantly searching for new obsessions, I especially love how obsessed with denim and coffee you are. These two have been my vices for a few years, and I can understand how they help with the monotony of addiction. I was wondering if you had any other hobbies you'd recommend along with these two. Vinyl seems to be too pricey, and might I add, my friend Ethan, uh, space-consuming. And I'm already restoring straight razors and old kitchen knives. Oh my God, this guy wins a prize for the, you know, what a beautiful, weird little obsession. Restoring straight razors and old kitchen knives. Uh, Back to the letter. I hope to hear back from someone in your camp. Hopefully your boots are broken in and your denim isn't too stiff. Thanks, Mark. Regards, Ethan. Dude, being that Ethan and anyone else who uh, finds themselves uh, staving off... uh, 
the uh, the 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 knowledge of their own mortality through a weird obsessive compulsive activities or obsessions that hopefully you find one that you know produce good results and you can be proud of and maybe show your friends look look I look at this straight razor I restored yeah while I was doing this I I didn't think that life was pointless look I look I'm all for obsessions in that way I don't really look at them like that but dude here's why your letter is interesting to me is that I'm realizing as I clean shit out of my house that that what's what's really sad is waning obsessions is that when when the obsession starts to dissipate and you're just left with the byproduct of your commitment to this thing like the the straight razor bit and the in the knife bit really reminds me of my foray into cast iron pans which was completely obsessive and I get this. This is I get this when I'm not working a day job like doing a TV show or when I'm I'm on my regular schedule, uh, which is what I'm in now. And my obsession right now is is really about throwing shit out. But I've I've gone through some of this stuff that I've thrown out, and some of them were kind of remnants of obsessions. Like there was this little wooden box I actually kept it that all I wanted to do was learn how to wax it. Like wax, put a finish on it and wax it. But I never committed to really learning about stains or waxing or the benefits of waxing versus varnish or, or shellacking or whatever the other stuff is. I just spent, you know, probably a month uh, just, you know, slowly waxing this dumb little wooden box and it completely consumed me. Vinyl, I'm, I'm terrified of the day that that obsession starts to wane because th- it's all over my house. It's taken over my house. And this tells me something about relationships too and about the obsessive nature of relationships is that I'm not in an obsessive relationship anymore and I haven't been in one in in a little while. And it's like there's a heartbreak to it, dude. There's a dull heartbreak to the waning of obsessions. You know, you just feel it going away. And, and, And if it's not a person that you can actually separate from and revisit in your memory, if it's an actual object... You know, be careful because you might end up having to sort of get rid of a lot of straight razors and and kitchen knives when you when you have that moment where you're surrounded by them and you're like, the fuck am I doing? What the, just you alone on a floor with fifty kitchen knives and 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 fifty straight razors that nobody wants? <laughs> As I said before, this uh, uh, Richard Linklater film is fucking uh, a blast. And if you're my age, it was funny. I told him, and you'll hear me tell him, that after I was at the the screening of Everybody Wants Some, there was about half the room applauded, and I'm like, they're over 50. And it's not an old person movie because it's about youth, it's about identity, it's about you know, that that first wave of freedom of trying to figure out who you are and whatnot. But but the music is great, the look is great, and the dudes are, uh, it's mostly about dudes in a way. Uh, are are all sort of uh, endearing and, and interesting. I don't know, man. I this guy makes movies with a lot of heart. So this is me uh, talking to uh, to Richard about uh, everybody wants some, which is open now in theaters. Well, that's what I noticed yeah. about uh, the movie. What'd you end up calling it? Everybody wants some. Yeah, I had a working title called That's What I'm Talking About. Right, we talked about it a little bit because yeah. you had just finished shooting it. I was excited. When yeah. you were here last time. Mm-hmm. And now it's Everybody Wants Some. Everybody Wants Some. I went with the Van Halen two exclamation points. Oh. Two, two exclamation points. That's right. That's what it's from. I'm an idiot. Like, I'm like, yeah. where do you get the title? Everybody Van Halen. Wants Some. Their third album Bang. came out in the spring of 80. Was it? Yeah. 
So that I can't believe that. So Van Halen one or two were, were 1970s, late 78, 9, 80. They went one, two, three. Those first three are, to me, those are my favorites too. Oh yeah, those are the best. I mean, I think I saw them on the first tour. Um, yeah, I saw them opening for Black Sabbath in the in 78. Really? Yeah. They were yeah. opening before their first album even came out. It's like, but everyone came out talking about them. I've talked to other people who were on that tour. They see that who, who saw there? that tour. Yeah. Um, I uh, I thought the music was great because I was 1980 is when this takes place. Mm-hmm. This kid's freshman year of college. It was my beginning my senior year. So oh, right. of high school. Yeah. But again, like not unlike Dazed and Confused, it's all familiar to me because we're about the same age. Yeah. You're from Austin. I'm from mm-hmm. uh, Albuquerque. It all felt familiar to me. <laughs> all the cars, you got all the cars right. I was excited to see a gremlin in one yeah, of the, in the parking lot. A little gremlin, a little yeah. pacer yeah. zipping around back yeah. there somewhere. And uh, but uh, like it was, it was interesting because I saw it with an entire room full of what I imagine are press. Mm-hmm. But uh, I felt like everybody was rooting for the movie, <laughs> which is good. You, you get a vibe. Yeah, sometimes you do. they're with you. Sometimes they're against you. Right. But I have you ever felt them against you though? Really. Uh, I think early on they were trying to figure out. Yeah, a little bit. Oh, not, really? Not much. Not much. In a long time ago. In a long time ago. But like I knew because I had talked to you that it was similar to Dazed and Confused in structure, which means that we were, it wasn't uh, a story necessarily as it was sort of a, a kind of movement, a meditation on yeah. being a, a high school freshman yeah. in, uh, in, in Texas in 1980. But it's weird with college movies, and I don't, maybe it was nostalgic on your part, but nothing got out of hand. It was right on the verge of it. Right. I think, you know, there's a little fight and a right. disco and they get kicked out, but it's not like but that was punches just, don't get thrown. That's like a bar fight. Everybody like pushes dudes. each other yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, that's like every bar fight you've ever been around usually. Um, you know, I, I thought that was the difference between college and high school. Like high school, you're sort of like being in prison. You know, no one really wants to be there and you're stuck in your parents' house. You're stuck in that yeah. world and it's not by choice. Right. You know, you're there. So there's a lot of tension, a lot of aggravation, yeah. all that oppression. And so people are kind of bumping up against each other and expressing that, that kind of aggression or that behavior. It comes out in different ways. College because it's just not about freedom. College yeah. to me was a the metaphor there was oh it's freedom. Yeah, you know, like wow, you can stay out all night. Yeah, your parents aren't telling you to turn down your stereo or get up. Right, you know if you want to just drink and eat whatever you want and not go to class or you know whatever that those adult decisions suddenly the that the exhilaration of having all that freedom right thrust on you was yeah. was fun right so and it created a more friction free environment. You know, because it's like, well, you're there by choice. You don't like college. You don't like being here. Quit. Go get a job. Right. And there's, you know? and you were real good about like all the characters sort of define themselves pretty quickly. And these are alpha dudes. Yeah. There's a baseball team. You, you know, this was sort of, I, you know, I certainly didn't, I, you were a ball player. Yeah. They're all competitive. That's the tone. They're just competitive. With about, everything. About the dumbest shit. And also they're always amped up and moving. Yeah. A lot of movement. Yeah. They never really sit down much. Right. And they're just like doing shit. Or if they sit down, it's for bong hits or to drink, you know. But right. Or like, play that Knuckles game or yeah. just, you know, somehow beat the shit out of each other one way or the other. Yeah. But like those were the guys when I was younger, like who I would have thought of as the other team. Like the, not yeah. the enemy, but just the jocks. And somehow or another, because of certain pivotal personalities in the film, you were able to sort of balance them out somehow. That you found the humanity of people I would have prejudged probably. Well, yeah, and I think the film kind of begs you to do that at the very beginning. You're seeing it through Jake's eyes. He's the freshman who's the the new guy. Yep. 
and so they are kind of jerks. They sort of, you know, like, who are you? Oh, you yeah. Know, just they basically give, right. him, give him nothing. Right. Even though they're soon, you know, they're living in the same house. But within minutes, they're inviting him. Hey, we're going drinking. There's a happy hour at this bar. Right. The you team know. element, actually, and also the, the seriousness of having mm-hmm. a good team and what it means kind of overrode the, the sort of personality difficulties. It is finding your place within a team structure. And that, that's, to me, also what the movie's really about. It's like every guy there was kind of the star of their high school team. Right. Now they're coming in like, oh, I got to find, you know, you go from being an alpha to being, you don't know what. Right, right. Oh, I got to fit in here and be a teammate. But to have a good team, you know, you have to play your role and everybody knows that, but you want to assert yourself. So baseball, it kind of team and individual are kind of battling each other. But um People say, oh, it's a big party film. It's like, yeah, but within that party, you see the little competitiveness, the way they talk. They're actually preparing themselves to be a good team, to win. They want to win a national championship this year. And also, it was so. very philosophical because, like, I didn't feel like it was a party movie. It was like the, the, the sort of thrust of the, of the of, it wasn't a story, but of the movie is pussy. Yeah. And, and chase and tail. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that, that makes sense. I mean, those guys well, are 18 to 22 sure, year old sure. males. Yeah. Sure. But I was surprised also that, you know, once you establish the characters, you know, you had the, the hyper alpha who was really good at, you know, everything, yeah. right? There were, ba- you know, he right. could split baseballs with a hatchet and with whatnot, a- <laughs> with an axe. And then you had the other guy who was, you know, really, you know, a good looking guy and cocky, but philosophical. Smart, quick. Yeah, yeah, Quick yeah. and smart. And then you had the weird wiry guy with the handlebar mustache who was just kind of, kind of freaky, but, mm-hmm. but uh, interesting. Pitcher, yeah. A pitcher, yeah. They're all a little and crazy. It was odd because all these type of movies are going to fall under, you know, there's a moment there where you're like, is this, is this Animal House or is it, mm-hmm. is it a, a genre picture? But but it it didn't do that, and yeah. I don't know how you pulled that off, really, because by like the the film got applause last night from a press audience, dude. That's pretty good. It got applause. I take from, that as a positive sign. And it, like when I heard the applause, I'm like, <laughs> they, they're all over fifty. Those yeah, guys. yeah, they were there. <laughs> you know they I mean? were there. But you know, I just think it's kind of what we were talking about earlier. Like, why is there not? I think college it was just chill. Like high school, everybody had something to prove. Remember college, people? It was, and especially the time. It's the end of the seventies, right? You know? Everything was chill. You were just trying to be cooler than everybody. And being cool means not losing your shit, not starting stupid fights and not being aggressive. It's like, hey, you know, you went out with my girlfriend. Hey, it's cool. I guess you know, that's I'll go, true. And there was a little bit of that in the air. It was really, I mean, guys, you know, everybody's always, we don't change that much. But it was kind of uncool to be an aggressive but jerk, I, as I remember. Well, that I mean, I think that's right because I didn't I even didn't, have issues like right. the black guy at the country bar. Right, he doesn't have any problem going in there because hey, he's a known athlete on campus. No one's going to mess with him. He's right. got his boys with him. And right, it's just not an issue. People go, oh, there's one black guy on the team. Nothing happens. Like, no, we had a couple brothers on the team. It was yeah. never yeah, we were teammates first. And well, just, there weren't these issues, you know. Right. Well, that's I I didn't think about it until you mentioned it. Now that you know, high school is really where the violence happens in a way. Yeah. If you, know, if you made it to college, you you know, you did have, even if you were set in your ways like some of these guys were, yeah. you knew that you you may be the, on the baseball team, but there was a whole world of, of people at this place that were different than you. And there was no yeah. way to, to not acknowledge that. Whereas yeah. in high school, you know, if you were the baseball team, you were the top of the pyramid. Yeah. And you could fuck with Football people. Football. Yeah. Right. You're, the, you're set up to be the bully right. or the one who never gets picked on or challenged. Right. Yeah, but and, college, just by the 
assortment of majors and you just know you can't think you're the whole world. Right. You know, you meet so many people who are studying other things and you realize you can't help but know there's a big other world that doesn't care that. I mean, sure, there's this kind of psychopathic emphasis on sports right. you know, <laughs> sure. in, in our country. But so it might be about football or basketball or a little baseball's third in that list yeah. at best. But um, your world definitely opens up. And that's the whole point of going to college, right? You meet a lot of people and you absorb their taste, what they're interested in, all those crazy teachers. So it was a, it's a good time. And you've got that, the, the singing in the car uh, 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 montage. An extended Rapper's Delight sequence. Yes, yes. Yeah. It was great. There was a question of how long that should be in the movie. Mm -hmm. It's early in the movie. They're going from their house to the the bar where they're right. having a happy house. So it's just A to Z. You yeah. Know, point A to point B. You did almost all song, I think. And it, Well, no, because that song's like 13 minutes. So <laughs> <laughs> I told the cast, you got to know the whole song because mm -hmm. we're going to do this. Because that really happened to me. I remember I was in a car and a guy I played ball with named Julio was yeah. in the front seat. And he goes, I am... Julio, you'd put in your own name that notion of passing the mic. Sure. The other, if you knew the song, sure. And it was like you'd insert your own name or your own kind of. And that was know. new stuff to people too, like Absolutely. rap music. Absolutely. Yeah. The movie's trying to take you back to a time and say, well, this was what it felt like. You know, you right. can say whatever you will about that song or how it's aged, and people kind of make fun of it. Or right. It's been parodied a little bit. That and say My Sharon and stuff. But yeah. It's like no, no. This is original intent, original yeah. use, like right. what it felt like to be in that car. Before it was even called hip hop, it's like, oh, that's rap music. It's something kind of from New York City, you know, yeah, you know, from the Bronx or Brooklyn or wherever it's coming from. But you're kind of like, oh, and it has those beats. It's almost like disco. It starts off, and yeah. it's like, okay, you can kind of dance to it. Yeah. But then it's like, okay, well, what's new here? It's like, oh, the ear, what they're saying. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. I mean, that's fun. Yeah. So it was kind of like the excitement of being around something so new, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and also the the punk and the new wave music. So. I look back at it as a as a time. It's like, well, you know, that was a pretty interesting time. You know, there was like new stuff happening. I don't know if that's happening today. There's the genres get refined, but I don't know if there's new things coming. In, you know, punk. well, there is, but there's a lot was more. They're not as uh, there. There's more of it. Yeah, like you is know, it, when when like that stuff came out. You know, you it was like any media. It was a little more intimate. There was less stuff. Mm -hmm. So now there's just tons, there's tons of shit. It's like techno. I mean, there's so much stuff. And so much stuff within but, that stuff. But what's interesting at that moment in 1980 is all that stuff was selling really well. The country, I mean, the music industry is very different. Mm -hmm. You know, just some record average band was selling you know, three million albums you look at the industry very different well i love that guy's uh, jake's box of records because i'm looking at the details <laughs> and i see the record crate and i see more songs about buildings and food and i see devo i started off i had like 200 and something songs yeah and a lot of it's it's a combination of financial or yeah. just what worked I, I was just it was a there was a lot of reasons that i end up here but it's it, it's kind of random. The there, cars? There could have been, yeah, end with a car song. Yeah, like I remember Good when that came roll, out. What was yeah. that? That was 80, 79? 79, 80, yeah. That was a big record, that first Cards record. Yeah. You were like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> and the Knack, too. You open yeah. with the Knack, you close with the Cars. Because there were some people that were mad about the Knack, because it's like it's new wave, it's not really punk. And, yeah, uh, they weren't really punk, or they were too successful, too. They, their right. album, I think they made a mistake, because it looked like Meet the Beatles. They, yeah, They yeah. mirrored the exact poses. Sure. And people were a little cynical about them or something. It's a hell of a but, song, though. But, uh, yeah, and that album, actually, I think The Knack is really underrated because 
I mean, I think they're the best teen sex angst band uh-huh. ever. They they were very in tune with this uh, this movie because what's on a young person's mind? You know? A lot of sex right out of the gate. I was not getting that much sex in college. Um, like every it seemed like I'm like, sorry. I mean, yeah, about four or five of the dudes got laid that first day of school. It would happen. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? What can I say? Oh, this Texas. is the dirty secret. <laughs> You know, and there was a kind of young woman who just liked the way we looked in our baseball uniforms. What can I say? Is that true? That's it? Yeah. 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 They, so it was a big deal. When they talk about men objectifying women, yeah. I can, any athlete can kind of flip that yeah. and go, you didn't really even look at my face. You're looking at my body, you know, whatever that athletic. So it was like, ah, hey, you just kind of go with it. And the one dude in the mirror with his butt, that was funny. Yeah. A lot of primping. Because yeah. that was the first, that was the early like metrosexual. I think it's something like. Yeah, women's dudes. lib and you know the 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 hairdryer entered sure. the men's locker room at some perms. point in the 70s perms, perms and platform you know, shoes yeah, it was okay to kind of primp you know guys oh were, dude it was crazy they started caring about what they looked like oh dude my buddy dave bishop he had a perm he had straight blonde hair and he'd get a perm and, sure. and one day he'd show up with his perm and he didn't really say <laughs> nothing about it famillary shoes you know, like these three inch platform yeah, shoes like, dude, like, what? what the hell but it was okay to put an effort out for the first time it know? was real britannia jeans and all that yeah, shit tight, tight. Yeah. my cast was going like well you guys really wore these right I'm like yeah it's just that's all there was it was you some really tight did. stuff i didn't i don't know if i if i ever felt comfortable in the tight pants but it was the way it was it was just the way i didn't mind tight stuff on on all the ladies no of course not no, I didn't. I but didn't i like uh, the movement towards this art party which becomes this sort of like fantastic sort of event because it, like the way you shot it it was it wasn't just a party you, you know it was it was a a, a kind of weird uh, mind-blowing <laughs> sort of uh, it, it it mind uh, expanding right the mind ex- as a, as an audience member you kind of felt mm-hmm. like oh this is really kind of out there <laughs> and probably a little a little too uh too well produced in a way for for the effect of it but that's how it was there that's was, how it felt right it was this place it was all performing arts majors mostly yeah. actors dancers you know the the really super cool kids and i had, i'd met this actress and we were going out and uh it was like a whole new world opened up our idea of decorating the house sure. was like thumbtacking up a susan anton poster right but you go to, out to there and their parties and they had like l- special lighting and a guy controlling it from the attic yeah and special you know it was just really well production design and it was really a costume party cool yeah their costumes all these people who were kind of expressing themselves um, through their costumes and their art and everything. And that, that's new. When you're an athlete, you don't have to do any of that. Right. You don't have to peacock or do anything because you're just, that's your expression. You're, yeah. It's a performing art, but the sport is the thing. So, yeah, you don't, you, you get around people like, oh, they're, they're kind of artists of living. Everything they do is art-like, the way they decorate and the way they dress and then and then they're they're performing theater dance you know and i and i love the I way like, you, wow cool yeah. cool people these are my new friends right you know, i i found them i found that crowd well jake was the conduit to that because mm-hmm. there's that moment where you know the other guys are clear that he doesn't want them to come and then eventually they do this thing it felt he, a little awkward right and His then world's they, clashing right you know? and he didn't know what he was getting into either but no. but all the guys come and then you subvert the expectations again because like i i you know i left going like not one of those guys started shit you know, not one of those guys bullied one of those yeah. uh, those yeah. art dudes, and they didn't. And, and not only did they not, they were sort of, you know, m- you know, humbled by it. Yeah, they're just smart enough. I think you know all the bullying stuff. I think that's I think that falls on football a little bit. 
I'm, I'm just starting to realize that. Guys I talk see to football, you. Yeah. you know, baseball guys, a little different, a little different. You yeah. know, you just don't hear about the bad entitled sports stuff so much from baseball. Right. A lot of those guys are actually really, you know, 4-0 students and, yeah. you know, I, I, it's a huge generalization, I guess. There's but a zen I, to baseball, I, yeah, too. Yeah, it, it's more of a thinking person's, not that, you know, any sport can be, but it, it lends itself, the pace of it, the way guys it's an ongoing conversation. Sure. Even in the game, you can be right. in the middle of a baseball game and talking to a guy sitting next to you. About, you can't do that in football and basketball. You can talk to people on the field. It's too intense. Like yeah. if through the, an inning. Yeah. You, <laughs> you get on first base, you might talk to the guy on the other team. Yeah, sure. There's a lot of time. and It relaxes you. It, it actually makes you better. We're in football. No. No, no. They talk about your mama. They, yeah. they want to kill you. Right. You don't have any room. And on the bench, you got to be kind of jacked up or yeah. someone will kill you. I mean, yeah. you could die today. Right. Baseball, you don't go into a game like that it's it's much more leisure and the, there's only a couple coaches and they're often far away so you can you can have this kind of sure it lends itself to wit and humor and yeah i just some of the funniest guys i was ever around in my whole life were, were some of these players and yeah they didn't have any comic aspirations the thought that they could make a living writing jo- you know never crossed their mind but right. they were just really funny guys just sure. situationally yeah and i thought you, you took a lot of time and it was like i was very excited to see that you 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 played some baseball. I mean, you yeah. You, we finally we deliver one little scene on the baseball field, but it's nice. You yeah, know, you, you really get a, a sense of a little it. bit of a payoff. It you, is. You get to kind of realize, oh, that's that's who they are. You know, right. You understand the pecking order, right? A little bit. And this movie for you, like, did you find it was about that 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 realization that there's a bigger world out there and, and about who who you are because like some of these guys are pretty set they're like on a pro track if possible but they knew that that they was think. a long shot and whatever yeah. on some level but you know the, your main character jake is like you know in the end towards the end where he's you know talking to her about you know his essay about sisyphus and whatnot yeah. you realize like yeah. well, he's got some other interests like he's kind of yeah. open-minded that it that this is right. about I, identity about mm-hmm. sense of self yeah, he's asking those kind of questions. So you see him at the earliest, at the early stages of kind of questioning who he is, and and it's that responsibility of like, well, who do you want to be? Yeah, you know, where's your spirit taking you? Yeah, you know? I mean, it's, it says a lot that he wants to hang out with the cool girl who's not the, you know, the groupie who right likes him in there. You know, he's kind of like, oh. Yeah, you know, he's drawn to her for yeah. some reason. She got something else going on. Yeah, he bonds with Finn, the smartest guy on the team. Right, they have a shorthand of wit. You know, right. they get each other's like extra little bit. Yeah, yeah. Because that's how it is sometimes in those group environments. Like, there's two or three guys on the team who you make a joke, some reference that two guys pick up on. Right, but that's the best kind of humor. Sure, because you, yeah. you look and uh, you know, no one else even got that. Joke. Yeah, yeah. And there's but, a little hazing yeah. goes on. That was kind of funny. <laughs> I yeah. love the way the country well, dude just was like, I don't need that magic shit. He's not going to even play along with he's getting like, oh, set up. How about that? You know, <laughs> very simple, simple. You know, what what did you feel when you you know when you actually finished cutting this and you you, you watched it with an audience? I mean, because not unlike Dazed and Confused, for me it felt very personal. You know, just because yeah. I grew up then, mm-hmm. and because it all seemed very familiar to me. Yeah. Did you feel that way when you watch it? Yeah. Oh, it just feels. It's so fun to hang out with the guys. I mean, I have the personal relation of making the movie with this, you know, wonderful young cast, so I can experience it on that level. Yeah. But then also part of my brain, and I think my impulse to make the movie, is I'm getting to really deal with those those college years, what that meant, you know, uh-huh. just that little sliver of time all these years later. Like, what does that mean? It's an interesting, you know, 
transitional point in your life developmentally, you know, so I could kind of, you know, work through that. And I realized I had a lot less mixed feelings about <laughs> college than I did high school for right. reasons we've already discussed. You know, it's like, oh, that was, and it's the first point in my adult life. I think I point in my life, I go, okay, that was a pretty good time. Yeah. Now I go, I, I buy it. I'll, I'll, I, I'm buying in. Yeah. That was a good time. And comparatively, you know, I've got a daughter who just got out of college. It was fun. College was so cheap. You know, right. it was a good, you know, it was cheap. The stakes were low. You didn't mortgage your future just to get a secondary education, you know. Were you there on a scholarship? Was, yeah. I mean, school was so cheap. And yeah. I, we had a scholarship anyway. So right. school was really cheap. Right. You could take your, I had financial aid. Because, yeah. you know, didn't have much money in the family. So I, it's like I w- had a scholarship and free money on top of it. Right. As a, I had a Pell Grant. Yeah. So it was like nice. Yeah. I felt like I was living large, man. I could buy buy the music, buy the, you know, whatever, yeah. go to the concert, you know. Take. Yeah. Um, so it was nice. So I think it was a kind of in that point in time was to kind of pre, pre-Reagan pre era, you yeah. know, pre-AIDS, pre-Reagan era, yeah. pre-just say no. It got tougher to be a young person. Yeah. I think on a couple of, you know, both. Like legally, you know, they, they kind of upping drinking ages. Right. Making you. Right. Made it illegal for young people to be in a car together. You know, right. like oh, you can only have one teenager, and you know, curfews and sure. just they kind of went after youthful fun in the eighties. Kind of backlash, yeah. And then also you had the the parenting change too. So young people, you've got we were left alone as kids, but now you had parents here and the government kind of taking away your rights. So I don't know. It was right before all that. Yeah, this is kind of I look the back and go, oh, fun. that's a the the culture's transitioning. Yeah, you know, pretty soon you're gonna have. Ronnie and Nancy saying, just say no. And, right. you know, abstinence-only education is the only way to go. And there was no internet. Shame, guilt. Yeah, yeah it was very social. You know, yeah. like today, the guys riding around singing to a song, you know, they, they might have music going, but there's there's four one guy driving and four guys looking at their yeah, smart, phones, you know, texting somebody. Or right, something, and then yeah. this, they're just looking out the window and yeah, looking at just, each other. You're filling that time with, yeah, yeah. with something. It all made sense to me. And now as I talk to you, I, I realize how much... You know, baggage in terms of fear and judgment and, you know, looking through current times that you bring to this thing and, and, and wonder about it. And then you realize, you know, as I'm talking to you that, you know, the point you made before about the changing of the culture was it, it was it was actually genuinely a more innocent time. And you don't necessarily think of, you know, post-70s America being innocent, yeah. but in terms of <clears throat> how shit was going to be guided yeah. and come down and... Comparatively, even though we had hostages yeah. in our, in Iran yeah. at the time, there wasn't a war on the horizon. The Vietnam hangover dudes were like still no, around. No one was getting drafted. Right. I mean, we were in the, the country wasn't going to be invading anymore, right. any anytime soon. Right. That sort of starts shifting in the eighties. So right. it was a nice little lull. Right. I mean, right. people weren't really happy with Carter and the economy, and there was a lot of strife. But when you're a kid, you don't right. you don't care what the inflation rate is when you're 18 right. years old. Right. Does it affect your life? Yeah, no. no. And yeah, and the and, and a lot of stuff was just sort of starting about you know around you know the dialogue on college campuses and uh, you know about you know gender and and, and other things like that yeah. that it hadn't really picked up speed. And there was a, a sort of like, you know, things were okay. These guys were having a good time. Yeah. Well, they thought weed would be legal any second. Yeah. You know, remember it was going to be it just, it, that was coming. So that everything went the other direction. I mean, there's a lot of progress, obviously. It's something like, you know, gay civil rights. You know, that's yeah huge advance yeah. from this time 
Yeah. And in other areas too, progress. But then there's that cultural backlash too. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think Reagan brought more more overt racism kind of back sure. yeah. to the fore where that was kind of a notion. You thought, oh, that was going to be a thing in the past. We're t- our generation is just too cool. We don't think that way. That's for old right. fogies. Yeah. I mean, but the old fogies kind of took back over. You know? Yeah, they, they do that sometimes. They did. You you also come to the film with a lot of those kind of like, with those movie expectations, like I said earlier, of that type of film, of a college mm-hmm. movie, of a party movie. And it really isn't that because it goes much deeper. So there's a lot of these weird expectations that get turned in on themselves because mm-hmm. you don't go for the joke. You go for the humanity of it, which is a lot better. Well, I think I'm, I'm happy when people kind of pick up on that because, I mean, we've seen this genre done to death. You yeah. know, there's the humor and yeah. the, the, the certain kind of humor. But I think if you can mix that with something that feels real to someone's own life, sure, you know, maybe that that could potentially resonate but i don't know what the expectations are you know it's it's, it's, it's in of, your mind yeah you know like when you see it when you're sitting down for a movie like that and you're like college mm-hmm. students two empty houses okay here yeah. we go yeah exactly <laughs> well animal house was was looming you know even as Still. we as we lived in those houses we were very aware like this is our animal house it happened we'd all seen the movie numerous times and now we had our own houses so it couldn't help we had these crazy parties probably oh that's we, right we never had a toga party but right. we it was kind of like that. It was out already, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. It had come out a couple years, you know, a little before. Right. So it, the influence was pretty immediate right. in the culture. So we were, I, I just say the DNA of, of Animal House is here because it, it was a big thing. That's, I, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Even I, the, if you think about the sophisticated humor that Finn's doing, trying to be, he's a little like Tim Matheson. Right, you know, right. There was that pitch. It That's was a right. little bit, you know, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. There, you know, there's that. There's sure, sure. Plumbers probably, you know. Right. Bluto, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. No, no. They I, can't help but so these that, archetypes are floating around. It, you know? it, it, they were really there because they had seen the film. Mm-hmm. And also I liked all the attention paid to, you know, to bongs uh, <laughs> and to and to kegs. Yeah. And to making every clear punch or whatever punch yeah, that was. It's called different things trash can punch. We called sure. it coon dog punch. Uh-huh. One guy on the team, but... But uh, but like you know that was definitely a part of like you know how you know how are you going to drink beer faster, you know like uh, all that stuff yeah. was uh, these that are, was real these stuff. These are important things. <laughs> at that, all right. Yeah, I guess you got to uh, you got to run, but it's always great uh, talking to you. And I yeah, I really enjoyed the movie. It was it was uh-huh. heartwarming. It was fun, and uh, it was nostalgic for me, but also uh, you know kind of revelatory. Right. And you did oh, great uh, great job. Wonderful. Well, it's great talking to you always. Thanks for thanks for having me back. So that was fun. That was a good conversation. I like talking to those guy, that guy. You know, you pick up speed, and he's very thoughtful, and he's nice, and you know, he makes you know, he's he's like a, a fucking auteur. He's the real deal. And he brought me a Thin Lizzy record. Okay, Sam Rockwell has had an amazing career. He's been in a lot of things, uh, some great things. He's one of those guys you see and you just love seeing him. That's really the truth of the matter. Like Matchstick Man was great. Uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was great. Uh, the Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. He was great in that choke. He was fun in choke. Moon, that that movie by, that David Bowie's son did, is an astoundingly great movie. He's just one of those guys. He was in Laggies with uh, who uh, Lynn Shelton, my friend, directed that. Anyway, Sam Rockwell, he's uh, one of the most recognizable and interesting character actors working today, and, and I was happy that he came over, and this is me talking to him all 
we got a hard out. First of all, thanks for watching the movie, by the way. It's very I, nice of you to... to you never know with those things. And I didn't know with that one for a little while. Uh, it was, you know, there's a, a... It's a romantic comedy. Yeah, it aims to be, you know, gross point blank or something. It's a, but it's action. funny, like, because I haven't watched those kind of things. It's like a, a romantic comedy set, set, set against ultra-violent slapstick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you you exactly. know what I mean? Like, you're like, well, this yeah. is cute. And they're like, holy shit! Yeah, I mean, my, my aim was always gross point blank. That was my... Right, this sort goal, of dark, satirical, you know? funny, you know. Well, I think it's that's a very special. That's a very special movie, right? Man. With Kuzak, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Driver, you know, that's a great movie. You know, your dynamic with Anna Kendrick was great, you know, and that's really what drives those kind of movies. Nice, yeah, where you know it's, it's cute, it's funny, you know. Yeah. Uh, you, you both seem to have some genuine moments amidst all the uh, the chaos and the the crazy plot. Yeah, and it was nice to see uh, uh, Tim Roth being weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's great. Tim's great, man. He's awesome. And Anna's great. She's really, really When you get a script really like funny, that. Really clever. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what's the decision process? Because you seem to be a guy that kind of chooses your shit. I try to choose well. Sometimes it works out. You know, sometimes it doesn't. You know, it was a chance to be like an action dude, you know, yeah. which I don't get to do, you know. And I've done some <laughs> fight scenes in films, but right. this was a chance to do that stuff. For and, real. And yeah, it was fun for me, you know. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have the budget. We had to choreograph a lot of these fights yeah uh in a very short amount of time you know oh really like the kind you normally have months for this kind of thing if you were doing a mission impossible but you know those fights are really fun if you're like i'm sort of a wannabe dancer and so that's kind of what what those fights are like and you do like to dance huh yeah you know so i i think that's what it's like to do those kind of fight scenes it's like dance choreography didn't you do a musical you've done a musical i've never done a musical oh you didn't I mean, I'm not a, like a singer like Anna is. But like, you I, sing? To, I, I I sing, but privately. You know, yeah. I'm not gonna. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I do me a lot too. of private singing. Good stuff too. Yeah, like, you're powerful in, in the, the shower, in the bathtub. Yeah, in my living room, occasionally in the car. I can really nail it yeah, sometimes. Sure. Are you afraid to sing in public? No, I'd sing in public. I can croon. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, I yeah. wouldn't be like, I wouldn't say I'm like Les Miserables type, type singer. But yeah, but that's what's great about musicals. You do a gig, man. Get a musical, and you know, it's the vulnerability of it. it yeah. It's like you don't have to be a good singer. You, you have to be like, oh, Sam Rockwell singing. It's nice. <laughs> I would do that. I would do Guys and Dolls or something like that. You should you know? come on. Yeah. Where were you? Where did you come from? I came from San Francisco. I like this area, by the way. I was at that Cafe Della. Oh uh, yeah, Dele, De Leche, yeah. Cafe like, De Leche, Austin or something. A little bit. It's starting to turn that way. I've watched it happen. You yeah, know, when cool. I moved here, it wasn't it wasn't there. Not any of it. I and like that shit. I do too. I like hipster shit. I, I do. like Williamsburg. You know, like yeah. people make fun of beards and yeah. I like that stuff because I I don't know they have good coffee and good food. Yeah, good coffee, good, good beer, food, and there's a creativity, creative spirit in the air with the, how people organize yeah. their shops. You're not sure what the point of them is, but you know you you're, you're happy for the effort yeah when you walk in you're like all right you gotta got a, a few records and a hat yeah it's like yeah. nice bohemia <laughs> yeah yeah you know what i mean san francisco though has a, a whole different like that place i lived there for a couple years and i never knew what the fuck was going on there ever yeah it's it's a lot it's a lot it's not all you know rice roni and cable cars I mean, it's no. a lot going on there yeah there's, right there's, there's ghettos and there's nice neighbors rich people poor people and there's a creative chaos and a sort of identity chaos that goes on there like i never knew who was in charge or what was happening or yeah. Why that guy is like that? You know, a lot of questions. Yeah. So you're born in San Francisco? I was born there, and then I went to New York. My parents separated when I was five. We lived in the Bronx. But let's talk in... about San Francisco. Yeah. How well, long we, were you there? I kind of went back and forth, but I San Francisco. What part of town? Everywhere, man. In uh, San Francisco? Yeah. In the pro- yeah, improper. You mm-hmm. know, like I went to uh, 
school, AP Giannini and uh, McAteer, and Aisha Tyler and Margaret Cho went to McAteer. And we were in sort of a school. Really? Of, you were all together? Yeah, when we were you're in like school 15? of the arts. Really? But it was like a, you know, like, can you uh, say fuck? Can you say fuck? Yeah. Yeah, it was like a fuck. It was like a watered down, it was like a low budget fame. Right. But you we knew were, you wanted to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, my parents were actors, so I got into it early and I kind of took it for granted. And then we. They were actors, like working actors? Yeah, yeah. And then my dad dropped out of that and he became a union organizer. And uh, he was in the printing union. He was a cab driver. He really? Was, he did a bunch of jobs, yeah. But he became a big union guy. After acting. So, like, what kind yeah, of... Yeah, like, like a union rep for the supermarket, clerks, like, yeah. and, uh, you know, I couldn't cross picket lines. We met Harvey Milk when I was, like, eight. We lived in the Castro. We lived in the Haight-Ashbury. We lived in Park Merced. Do you remember meeting Harvey Milk? We lived in the Tenderloin, which is, you know... Yeah, that's a rough few blocks. That was before my dad <laughs> got a good job, and, you know... Oh, really? That was a tough... Yeah, we moved around a lot. You it's, know, San it's, Diego and... But it, San Francisco... Francisco's got a heavy vibe to it. Like the weather never changes a lot, and it's always sort of cloudy sometimes with that moving fog. I always well, felt yeah. that there was a mystical element that was a little bigger yeah. than me and kind of dark. Kind of Jack London darkness. Yeah, yeah did you yeah. feel that? Well, yeah. I mean, I loved it. I know what you're saying. And when we were in high school, we'd always pray for sun, but like, now when I go back, I'm like, man, I wish it was always like this everywhere. Right. Yeah, you know? nice it, and cool. It's Temperature's clean air. perfect. Yeah. You know, it's great. Go up to Point Reyes and just sit there. Yeah. You ever just go up north a little bit to Bolinas and shit and walk around? No, I've never been up there. I've been, I feel like I've been up north, but. Well, you know, like Desto, past Marin and like it's just. A, Marin those County. Little, yeah, those little beach areas. I used to go hiking up in yeah. Point Reyes and, you know, yeah. wander what's, around. What's the other? Stenson Yeah, Stenson Beach. Beach yeah. yeah was there. Half Moon Bay. Half Moon Bay. Yeah, that sure. Kinda... We used to drive down there. We used to live right by Ocean Beach, actually. We used to live right by the beach. So when you were a kid, though, did you see your dad act? In fact, I remember going to Ocean Beach when yeah. John Lennon died. Really? And kind of having a that moment, moment? Of, uh, of like silence or something. How old were you? Like 12? Yeah, probably, you know, as a kid. Yeah, I remember when he died. That was horrendous. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even remember what year that was. I remember when he died. I remember when Belushi died. Belushi was, for some reason, pretty pretty yeah. devastating for me, too. Have you, did you have Phil Hoffman on this podcast? No, I, who did I just talk to that work with Phil? Like, I, people have talked about Phil. So yeah. Ethan Hawke was just in here. Oh, that's right, I heard, yeah. I would have liked to have Phil. I, I imagine it might have happened at some point, but it didn't get to happen. Yeah, yeah. He was a friend of yours, right? Yeah, it's weird when you start knowing people who are like Gary, who are like, they dying. Yeah, it's fucked up, man. It's a really... few people on the show because I, I have to put them back up, you know, you know, out of respect and, yeah. and, and in memory of, and like, yeah, people as you get older, dude, it's, I know, it's, it's gonna really, happen, man. It's really weird, man. Uh, yeah, I, I try not to think about it. I don't. Where you, <laughs> where are you at with your mortality consciousness? I'm not good. I think about it every day, man. You do? You know? Oh yeah, sure, man. I'm, like, like this is it? Or <laughs> I'm 47. I'm like, yeah, I just think about all that shit, you know, and prostates and all that kind of shit. Well, you got to get that um, checked. You're not one of those guys that's sort of like, no, nah, I ain't doing that. No, I get it checked. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm clean. <laughs> good. But uh, you know, it's intense. You Isn't know? it weird that so many guys get sick because they're too proud to have a fucking clinical person stick a finger in their ass? I mean, I grow the fuck up. I think it's a denial. Sure know? it is. Or it, well, you know, it, do, it does feel good, but you know in that moment, like, well, I don't want to commit to this. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's a lot, man. You it know? is, sure. But uh, let's go back to, uh, did you ever see your dad work as an actor? I didn't. I saw my mom work. I actually worked with my mom on stage when I was a kid, when I was 10. In New York? But my dad quit before I ever saw him act. So, But that didn't uh, that didn't temper your, your desire to do it, because like, he probably was like, fuck this. Was it that yeah, kind of quitting? Yeah, he had to raise me. I mean, he could. He, I was, you know, he was a single parent. Are you an only child? I'm an only child, and then he got remarried 
when I was like eight. Yeah. And uh, and then and then that we had kind of more of a middle class. Yeah. And I was sort of a latchkey kid, you know. Back and forth. Back. Yeah, but that was more kind of New York and L.A. Uh, yeah, I'd go in the summer to visit my mom, and I hang out with her yeah and her crazy bohemian friends she was singing telegrams oh really and then i went to this high school but it was like 500 school of the arts people within a 2000 city kids in san francisco so it was like yeah so we had rich kids coming to do the school of the arts and then we also had kids from hunter's point and kids from the mission integrated it was very integrated very and very eclectic in in how much money people had and the football team was probably more popular than the than the acting group, always you know? yeah so it wasn't really like a proper school of the arts right but i know? mean but at least it gave you the option to sort of work those muscles and have that creativity it did and yeah. i and i took it for granted i smoked pot and chased girls and then when i went to new york i studied with william esper and that's where i met my acting coach terry knickerbocker and that's where things got more like serious for when, right know? for the acting yeah, like I was kind of fucking around until I was like 24. Were you doing shows or were you doing I plays? Think I took it for granted because it was the family business. In, in San Francisco? Yeah, you know. And what so, were you, where were you performing? Uh, as far as... Uh, you were went, you doing I, shows? Like when, when I was in high school, you mean? In, yeah, or in your early 20s before you I went to New York. I was just doing restaurant jobs, busting tables and doing... And once in a while, I'd like book a commercial. I got an agent and I'd get these like Local commercials? commercials? Like national commercials. Oh, yeah? Be, it would be like, you know... Winning the lottery. Sure. You what? Know, which be, ones did you do? I did everything. I did Ford Tractor, uh, <laughs> Ford American Tractor? Express. Yeah. I played a drug dealer. I did. Um, <laughs> I did every Burger King. Yeah. I mean, I did. I did like tons of commercials. So yeah, residual checks coming in, so you're making money. Yeah. So I'd be like a bar back, and then all of a sudden this check would come in, yeah. and I could pay the rent for three months. It's you know? beautiful. It was great. It was yeah. great. It was the best. And then as you get. You know, you get more notoriety in film. You you can't obviously. I mean, you can now. It's all changing. You know, yeah, do commercials, but now everything. Now but you could do it anonymously. All bets then. are off now. Yeah, no one knew you. You're just a guy yeah. working for a living. I guess there's no shame in it. But some guys, as yeah. you get older and your name, you got to be more decisive about what you're going to be putting yeah. your face on. Yeah. So so back then, your training was really just what you did in high school and and performing. So it was sort yeah. of like. And chaotic. my mother, my mother teaching me about sort of the rules of improvisation. And she, she was, was an a, improviser. She was. She was in a troupe, and that was the play we did. It was sort of based on these sketches in New York. In New York, it was called Joan Crawford's Children. Uh huh. And it was kind of like Mommy Dearest. Yeah. There was a guy playing Joan Crawford, and my mother was like a sort of a female Doctor Strangelove character. She was the nurse to the kids. Mm -hmm. It was very strange, but yeah, very strange. But but I learned about improv a little bit, and then I studied Meisner as an adult. Meisner, is that where you look at each other and repeat things? Yeah, which is also improv-based. Yeah, because I've done it. You just go like, you know, like, sad. <laughs> did you do repetition? You did some of that? No, but I know guys that did it, and I'd ask yeah. people, like, you know, what was that like? You know, and they'd it's, be like, and they'd show me how it was done. You know what it's like? It's really like this. It's, yeah. like, it's like being in the moment right. and take, trying to put your attention on something else. Right. And then you got to be still, and you're kind of naked, right? Hey, then, like, like, how do you mean? Like, if 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 it's me and you right now, like, they, like, well, I say I'd start off with something superficial, like that's a green shirt, and you go, yeah, that's a green green shirt, shirt. and I go, that's a green shirt, and, and then eventually it might change. You'd be like, 
you seem kind of perturbed about my green shirt or something. Oh, and then so you, you, you start to read behavior. So you, f- you feel the shift. Someone decides that there's a shift. Is there a rule yeah. to it? Like you have to stay on the object for like a the minute? Sh- or? The shift was always a strange thing. Like we never knew when to make the shift. And sometimes the teacher would be like, no, don't stay with it. Stay with this. Yeah, he's about to cry. Stay yeah, with the stay shirt. With, stay with the shirt. But then you'd have to change it. It, right. has, it has to be where you have to. You have to address what's going on. And what'd you learn from that? Well, I learned because first there's like these nervous giggles, yeah, and then you start maybe somebody gets angry or somebody starts crying, and right? So all this is sort of to strip you down, so that you just be, right? You know, and yeah. that's what we need in acting is just to kind of fucking be, right? And stop acting, right? You know, yeah. And you know that's the thing I, I hate when people say actors are good liars. I I I think actually no, they're. They're, if they're trained well, they're they're supposed to be. That's the best. That's the time when they really tell the truth. Right. Well, see, I think a lot of people yeah. and some actors do this too. It, you know, if if they don't say that they're good liars, they say we're good at pretending, which is a little different, but still, that's demeaning to the craft of acting. But I think a lot yeah. of people don't necessarily have a craft in place, and they're just getting away with it because of natural gifts. Yeah. Y- you well, know what I mean. Yeah, I mean it's a, it yeah, it's it's something to be taken seriously if you want to if you want to but it's also master so, it like a Robert Duvall or exactly, a Meryl Streep or whoever, right. you know. Right, yeah. but there are people that are just sort of like, yeah, I can do it and they just show up and they do it <laughs> and you know, you're like, oh, fuck that guy. And it, but and no one knows for the the wiser, but then when you see somebody like yourself or Duvall or yeah. or young actors who take it seriously and they really fucking lock in, you're like, no, oh, there's something different there. Yeah, That's I what mean, you hope. Yeah, when you see a really great, you know, when you see Benicio or somebody like oh that. Man, did you watch his Sicario? Oh, fucking, he was incredible. What the hell is that? What I was mean, you know, that's yeah. great, man. Do you, just, are you guys buddies? I know him a little bit. He's yeah. a nice guy. He's a really, he's actually a very sweet guy, very funny. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's like what he does. That's his, that's his zone. You know? right, yeah, but, but what you're talking about, you know, you know I, I see what you do too. In, in a lot of the movies I've seen you and I haven't seen all of them cause you're one of those guys where, you know, I look at the, the, the goddamn resume and I'm like, holy fuck. Am I going to be up all night? I'm watching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You but, wanna, yeah. but there's a presence is what you're talking about. It is an ability to be yeah. present and emotional and open. Like someone once told me that, uh, they were talking to Gene Hackman, I think, and how yeah. he prepared. And he just basically said, he said, I think he said something like, I know how to fill up. Like, you know, like, like before he went on, he could just, you know, pull himself. I know how to fill up. Something like yeah, that. Does that great. make sense? Yeah, that's great, man. Yeah, I worked with him and he would just kind of keep to himself. And then all of a sudden he'd be like, bang. Yeah, you did? You know, we, yeah, we did this David Mamet movie uh, called Heist. Oh yeah, 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 um, and it was. I learned a lot from him. Yeah, I just watching him. Yeah, yeah, I learned a. You know, the, sometimes the camera department. You know, I'm very, I'm very accommodating. Yeah, me, Sam, you naturally. Know, like, yeah, I'm like a people pleaser yeah. kind of guy. You know, years of therapy has helped me. Uh, oh yeah, over. Is that what? Would you track that to the divorce or you know the people pleasing? Like you know, you know who the fuck knows? I mean, we. I went to a lot of different schools and I had to make friends quick, and maybe that's why I have good social skills. But I think that, you know, I think often actors are terribly insecure, and I think it yeah. takes years to learn to kind of ask for what you need on a on a set or, or to say or, or on the uh, stage you know, leave you know? me alone yeah leave me alone let me do my thing you know and uh, i was in a scene with him in the car yeah and, and he's got to get angry at my character right and they keep the camera keep camera department is trying to do the shot and they keep sort of telling gene hackman to kind of go like you know hey gene can you 
can you move a little bit to the to on the dashboard you know and he's like yeah yeah okay and he's like you know we just want you you think you could just come he's like guys guys don't hem me in don't hem me in okay because you know he's got to get emotional right there he's got to yell at my character right. and he's got to come from a real and so i don't i think he was protecting himself and right. he was saying i don't think he was being an asshole right no of course not. he was just protecting say hey guys i need to i need to move around here yeah this is not a technical scene, you know. Right, right. Sometimes it's camera day, and sometimes it's actor day, and right. sometimes it's both. Right. You know, and you sure. got So it's like, pull back, get your master. And yeah. Then like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I saw Jeffrey Wright do that, too, and it was beautiful. He And, and you know, it's like... What'd you do with him? I did this movie, Single Shot, and, you know, you're you're doing scenes where you're, you're like, driving, and the, and the <laughs> camera department's like, can you just go down a little more? And you're like, like this? <laughs> Uh, yeah, just go down a little more. You're like, hey, man, I can't drive the car like this, man. You know, like, enough already, you know. So you do the best you can, and you know that they, and, and uh, you know, DPs are amazing. They're, yeah, they're, yeah. I, I have complete respect right. for them, but, you know. But it, there is a moment where, like, they... they You're like, come on, guys, you know. Right, where they, they're not really thinking in terms of the practicality of what you have to achieve. They just want to cheat the shot. It's because, yeah. like, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like your right. eye line's over here. It's like, that doesn't make sense. And, you know, and then you're looking over there, and you're having a conversation... That doesn't even yeah. exist in real life, but that's the magic of movie you make. Yeah, and you know this. You're doing the show. Yeah, yeah, you know right. It. And one of my pet peeves is like nobody cares about the actor off camera. Right. <laughs> yeah, nobody it, gives a fuck about the. And I'm like, that's just as important to me. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. the actor off camera? Sure, you absolutely. Know? Like, there's something going on here in yeah. order to get something out of you. Yeah, he's got to show up for me. Yeah, so we're doing got... something here. Yeah, I'm here for you know Maya Rudolph or whoever. Right. You know, and, yeah. and, and, you know, you're there for somebody. Right. And you're like, I'm not just trying to get right next to the yeah. fucking lens. You know, I'm doing something here. I'm working, too, you know. Yeah. Anyway, I sound like I'm bitching or something. No, but. you're not bitching. It's just like, I. it's like it's not all the time that that I can talk to actors about, about acting because a lot of times, you know, anyone's craft around it or how they got to where they are, it's not that defined. You know, they learn some things when they're younger and then they integrate some things, but they can't sit there and tell you what it is. You know, they're yeah. like, I just had Ethan yeah. Hawke in here and, and one of the most yeah. as astounding things that he said was that in order to do training day, he basically watched Denzel movies because he, he, it was like he was watching game footage. Like he... He would. That's he, how he prepared. A little bit, not that's the a, character. God, that sounds terrifying. Not the yeah. character, but the but the sense that like he knew how Denzel handled the scene, and he knew that if he was going to to own himself and his character, that he had to you know he really had to show up and not you know and be you know right alongside Denzel, not let Denzel like you know push yeah. him down. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. drive over him. Yeah. It was almost like he's preparing for a game. You know, he's like watching game footage. Like, see, I see how he moved right there. You know what I mean? That's smart. That's smart. <laughs> I would, I, I wouldn't have the balls to, Ethan's very, very smart guy. I mean, you know, I wouldn't have, I'd be, that would make me nervous, but I, because I would start to get like hero worship oh, know, right. or something. Yeah, I know. get that too. I mean, I, 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 it's very hard for me to not, and then the people pleasing just destroys you if you got the hero yeah. worship. Like, yeah. Well, what can I do? Is yeah, it... that's bit me on the ass a couple times. <laughs> really? You know? yeah, 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 yeah. Working with big uh, stars? Yeah, you know, you early on, you know, you, you can't- you In gotta, films or TV? In films, TV, and you kind of- Like who? Give over your- Sure, yeah. Chi, you yeah, know? Yeah, 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 yeah. You can't- you... Well, I, I, I'd rather not say, but okay. I-, I Early on, I I was definitely like uh, became you know you can't be a fan 
In, in the scene. In the scene. Yeah. You know, you got to kind of... <laughs> but I like that Ethan was kind of strategically going, okay, this is what I'm... I, this is... I got to watch out for that pass and that thing. <laughs> yeah, a little you bit. Know? You know that's kind of cool. I like that. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't... You know, it was... You know, he loves Denzel. was no disrespect, but he no, just wanted I mean, to... He wanted to, to, to have his space. You yeah. know, when you're with a dude that's like a... You know, just a... You know, a force of nature. You gotta, yeah. you know what I mean? You, yeah, you can totally. Use... And that paid off. I mean, he, Ethan's great in that. That's a great movie, and they're yeah. both great in it. When you were in New York, would you start with theater? I started in theater, and I just did a play uh, in, in New York with Nina Arianda. We did a play uh, on Broadway. We did this Fool for Love, and uh, I continue to try to do theater. I've been. Um, it's that's you know it's like going to the gym. I, it's like doing stand up. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah, that's exactly know. what it's like. Yeah. You're not gonna do that in film, so it's like working those muscles and, and right. There's no cut. There's yeah. No. It's you, man. <laughs> yeah, you gotta yeah. go all you the know? way through. All the way through. Hold man. it. You gotta hold. it. I had to it. do a lasso too. That was a lot of pressure. I'm, man. I'm really? glad that's over. Yeah, I had to fucking nail these objects with this lasso. How long was the run? And I had nightmares that you know Ed Harris. The role was written for Ed Harris. Uh huh. And uh, back he did it like 30 years ago. I wonder how that guy's doing. He's, I think he's doing good. He's doing Westworld. Is he? You know? the, a new remake of it? Yeah, he's doing the Yul Brenner part? I think he's doing the Yul Brenner part. The robot. Yeah. Oh, that, it's good, good casting, good. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he comes, but he came to the play finally, yeah. and he he was very nice. He was very, and I thank God I roped good that night, because yeah. I had nightmares that he was in the audience every night <laughs> you're gonna, in the roping scene. Because, you know, I'd heard all these stories about his performance. You know, he did it 30 years ago. And, and nailed it every Kathy time. Baker. Invented yeah, the roping yeah. scene. Yeah, I said to Sam Shepard, did he ever miss? He's like, no. No. I'm like, really? <laughs> he never missed? Come on. You know. Was it a Shepard play? It's Sam Shepard play. Which Fool one is for it? Love. Oh, Fool for Love is and, what you're uh, talking about. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I remember that. I remember when that came out. It was a, a pretty stripped down thing for Sam. Like, it was like different than like, you know, his sort of like verbose... Yeah. earlier plays where you know it was very you know two characters primarily, yeah pretty right? much yeah and there's these other characters um the guy martin who comes in and the old man is sort of like the dad and uh gordon joseph weiss and tom pelfrey did that nina arianda and i are the two lovers right and they're it turns out they're half brother and sister it's Ugh. very yeah you know, there's always a dad in his plays that walks in and it yeah. brings the darkness <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah totally no, it's it's a dark play. But Did it's he a cool direct play. you in it? No, uh, Daniel Lawkin, this, okay. this British guy. He he's wonderful director. He did he directed it, and uh, you know we had a, we had a lot of fun with it. And and Philip, what was your relationship with him? Oh, uh, Phil was a friend, and then he, uh, he was an amazing director, and uh, he taught me a lot about stage acting. But he was he was a he was a dear friend, and and a you know obviously he was a kind of a mentor, even though we're about the same age. Yeah, we were about the same age. Yeah. But yeah, I learned a lot from Phil, you know. Like what? Like when I, you're stage acting? Like you he, know. He really looked at it like an athletic event. I mean, he had like, you know, wrestling background and right. He In kinda, high school? Yeah, he kind of coached us like it was almost like a <laughs> like a football game, you yeah. know? It oh, was really? like Hoosiers or something, really? you know? Yeah. Yeah, but he would say incredible stuff to me and and Eric he'd, and we were doing the scene Judas and the Devil. It's called Last Days of Judas Iscariot. And he'd say, you know, you guys are getting laughs, and I know we got some rewrites, and it's you're getting a lot of laughs. He's like, I don't give a fuck if you get laughs. I just, I want to scare the audience a little bit, you know. <laughs> I want to make them nervous. You know? Right, right. And um, so he had this attitude. He really wanted, you knew that he could, he could talk the talk, but he could also walk the walk. Yeah. Because I've seen him on, I saw him on stage in True West, 
and Death of a Salesman. And I think he was I saw a fucking him in monster. True West. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a fucking monster. He didn't was like he George do, C. Scott. I mean, he was a monster. Didn't he do True West where they would switch up? Yeah, right? yeah, with John C. Riley. Yeah, yeah they'd yeah. switch the roles up. Yeah, man. That's, I mean, that's pretty insane, man. Pretty insane. Yeah, to do Lee and Austin and just to flip it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. insane. Yeah, but he could do it. He could do it, and he demanded a lot of himself when he was on stage. That's probably what exhausted him and made him so fragile. Yeah. Like he, 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 he definitely had this sensitivity. Like he was very willing to, to go to those places that might break you in real yeah. life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. That's what made him special. I mean, yeah, he was he was one of a kind. You know. Yeah, and when yeah. when when you um because I I think you you will make yourself available too, but you seem to like to do funny shit. Yeah, yeah, I like to do funny <laughs> shit. It, you know, you kind of you, either you do either you're funny or you're not funny. I guess that's, I don't that, know. No, right? I was just talking about the other day. I, I mean, I don't try to be funny sometimes, and people you know, you're hilarious. Right? Like, you're actually, not, I was trying. To, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but like, you're a naturally funny guy. I think people are just funny, or right? Whatever, or they're right? not. Or they're not. You well, know? that's well. In my racket, when I watch, like I've I've seen comics who are not naturally funny by any stretch of the imagination figure out how to do stand up and 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 learn the craft and be funny because they can only be funny in a certain way. The off I'm curious is, who you're talking about when you say that, like a Stephen Wright or somebody. Yeah. Well, Stephen I, Wright's pretty funny because you know those guys, those kind of guys, they kind of invent their own time zone. You yeah. Know? So like you know, if you enter Stephen Wright land, yeah, you're going to be laughing because you know he's he's operating at a different frequency. Yeah. So that you know he figured that out for himself, and usually that's what it is. If you know, if you don't have a class clown personality, you're not like, hey, look at me. But you have some commitment to being funny. You got to figure out how to hold it, you know, and, and be in it you yeah. know and i've seen guys who like when i first see him i'm like what the fuck is this and then eventually they figure it out you know what i mean they yeah. and it's a real testament to people who know they're funny it's like they don't get me yet but i you know but i'm gonna figure it out you know what i mean that's cool it that's is cool. cool but i think it's probably the same with you know coming into your own you know as an actor i mean because people yeah. like when you say sam rockwell yeah. people are like oh yeah fucking sam rockwell they're not like who like so you know they know who you are because of your personality yeah. So how do you, like, even in Moon, which I fucking loved. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks a lot. That thanks, was some man. good work, dude. I, I'm glad you saw that. Yeah, oh, yeah, thanks, I saw man. it, and yeah. I talked to Duncan on an, oh, old, you talked to Dun on oh, an yeah. old show I had. Like, yeah. uh, when I did uh, Air America stuff, he came in, and I had just seen it, and, you know, we talked, and he seemed like a sweet guy. Great guy. guy. Great guy. Very talented. You talked to Lynn Shelton, too. Oh, yeah, she yeah. says hi, by the way. Yeah, Lynn's, Lynn's awesome. She's, great director. Yeah, great director. We had a great time. And a great, yeah. great sense of comedy absolutely no she's fantastic man no i uh no yeah I, yeah i've been really lucky moon moon was really a, a, a you know a brain fuck but it was fun how do you prepare for something like that when you know you're going to be this guy in space alone i mean what what you know what you know we bit a lot of stuff off of dead ringers with jeremy irons and i Ooh, I, I watched yeah, that's, uh, a, that's a that's one of those uh, off to the side movies yeah yeah and that was the best time i've seen that trick done when he played twins yeah and i actually my acting coach told me to watch midnight cowboy yeah, for what and reason? That was helpful. Well, the care one of the clones is sick too, so I kind of stole my sickness from uh, Ratso? Dustin Hoffman from Ratso. Yeah, and I tried to actually duplicate a shot, and where, where Ratso's get, where John Voight's combing Ratso's on hair. the bus. Uh, it's on a stairwell. Oh like, yeah, by yeah, the yeah. Party. Uh, oh right, yeah. And I said to the technical guys, you know, can we have the clones touch? And they're like, oh, you know, that's very that's very difficult to get the clones to touch. It yeah. takes a lot of. And I was like, well let's you know let's do it man i think it'd be really cool you know yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. one of them's sick and let's let's replicate this little shot with midnight 
And they're like, wow, this is going to, you know, and it was very technical. You have, if the clones. And you pulled it off. We did it yeah. briefly. Yeah. You know, we get, and there's like a, a C stand with a tennis ball and you got to have somebody else's hand or it's, it's very technical. So yeah, that's a, that's the thing that I don't think people really appreciate about acting is like, you know, you just spent like 12 hours on that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you're trying to make a really naturalistic moment and it's very technical. That's the job. Yeah. That's the job. Yeah. You know, it's very awkward. Yeah. And they don't understand that. Yeah. You're losing the light and Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're like trying to, yeah. When we were shooting my show, I can't, I like, there's something like I want to see. I'm just going to put it out in the world. Maybe someone will make it. Because when you're shooting in LA in real time, not in a studio, you know, it's like playing. The sound guy's yeah. always like playing and you got to wait it out. I just want to see like a short yeah. film piece where the sound guy, you're, the set's, you're on set. Yeah. And the sound guy's like playing and then, uh, and then you hear it crash. <laughs> and the sound guy goes, okay, we're clear. <laughs> They, there is a movie for that, like Living in Oblivion or something. There yeah, is a, yeah, there that is a, guy, a place uh, for that moment. Oh, what the hell is that guy's name who did that movie? That guy, Tom DeCillo. Yeah, Tom. I worked with Tom DeCillo. All right, so where where does it really start to um, when when you start to? Because it feels like to me the first time you really entered the 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 consciousness was uh, with the uh, Chuck Barris movie. Well, yeah, I mean, actually, Tom DeCillo and I did a movie called Box of Moonlight that got some notoriety, and then I started working after that. And I did a couple movies: Lawn Dogs, Safe Man, and then, uh, and then Safe I, Man. Yeah. Safe Man's a cool movie. Peter yeah. Dinklage, yeah, and yeah, Mark yeah. Ruffalo, and Steve Zahn, and uh, and then um, and then it kind of started. And then by the time I did Confessions, I'd done a lot of movies, but I hadn't done anything that people had really seen although the indie scene was different back then you know yeah so smaller a little yeah, more I mean, uh, were, people were actually going to movies you know and yeah. now the indie scene's kind of gone to cable a little bit yeah you know there's not really like how do you feel about like uh like the uh, about where the business is at movie wise i mean do, are, are, you, are know, you a fan of going a, to the movies i am a fan of going to the movies and i it's a little depressing but it's also what's happening you know yeah. and i i don't get to movies as much as i'd like to i mean it's what's happening you kind of have to roll with it. it yeah you know and they do have these amazing these amazing shows now so it's 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 kind of the reality you know but you're living in new york and your mom's there still is she still around she's still there she's a painter and uh I got guys, a real artist there. real artist mom yeah she's a real she's uh yeah she's a, bohemian she's, spirit yeah yeah and she's like she's there so you're hanging out when when you first go to new york how old were you when you start studying with esper i was about 24 and yeah. you wanted to do method I wanted to do, I wanted to have a technique, but I was kind of, you know, I didn't take it seriously. And, and he said, you know, you should, you should, you should really study, you know, get, know what you're doing. Get but he's tech- like the, one of the guys. He's one of the guys. Yeah. He's and I've talked to other people who study with Esper. One of his, uh, Meisner's main protégés. So and, yeah, uh, let's go from there to there. So you do a Meisner. Yeah. I don't remember a lot of, uh, you know, I don't know too much about the group theater and shit, but I know that Stella Adler, Sanford Meisner, and Lee Strasberg went to Russia and met this guy Stanislavski, right, yeah, and then sure. they came back and they created their own schools, and that was like three schools, and yeah. Brando studied with Stella Adler and all that, and Duvall, I think, went with Meisner and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think. Right. So you you liked Brando, you liked De Niro, you liked those yeah, guys? Yeah, you know, those were the guys you yeah. looked up to, so, right. so you know... Uh, it's all the same shit. You know, right. It's all good acting is good acting, right. I think. You know? But what was the craft you get to put in place when you work with someone like Esper? Like outside of Meisner exercises, you're I, not doing like yeah. fencing or, Ju- or Alexander No, technique. that's right. It's not a conservatory. It's right. not like Juilliard. You're right. It's it's not RADA. So right. we're, but it's what it, I think it just taught, it really the big thing was 
your emotional responsibility to the text, I guess, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Like mm -hmm. you, you have a responsibility to the text, yeah, to the to the play, to right? The film, yeah, you know, and and I think that's the biggest thing. Like yeah. you have a responsibility to to bring behavior to this text, yeah, you know? yeah, to respect it and also disrespect it, right? Be like. The text means nothing. Yeah. It's about this. Right, about me and you. You know? And yeah. so I think that's the main thing I got. And how's, here's the trick that like always baffles me, because I'm not really much a, of an actor. I've done my TV show, but like, how do you fucking... I guess I'm just asking for some training. Um, <laughs> I think you're doing just fine. <laughs> Thanks. No, but how do you, like, you know when you shoot things where, where you're doing a scene and then, you know, that that, that, that scene happens and then you got to do the scene oh, that happens. Oh, out of continuity type yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, it happens uh, the, earlier that day and, like, you You're right. Have, That's totally fucked up. I totally, yeah. <laughs> where you're like, uh, Some uh, people you, have, like, you, they write it out on fucking paper. They're really organized. Like, this is where you need to be more tired. Yeah. You're yeah, like, yeah, you know, dude, you remember you've had two drinks here. You know, it's you, always good to go back and look at the script and I and you look at your notes that you did two months ago mm -hmm. and go, okay, oh yeah, I'm coming from there and then just close, or, right, you right. know, I listen to the, I listen to my lines, so I listen to, I got that rehearsal app and, but I, you know, you, it's always good to go back. Just when you think, oh, I've looked at the script enough, you've never really looked at it Because it's even funny, even you watching know? like the movie I watched last night, Mr. Right, you yeah. know, you, when you say I got to go and you go outside and you, and you, you beat the shit out of that guy. And yeah, am I going to spoil anything? No, you're yeah. saying that you shot the interior, like, right? But then you got to come back in, and you're sweaty, and you got yeah. so you just yeah, exactly. Like, All right, just I just killed a guy. Yeah, I'm going to go back in and act like everything's fine. Okay, yeah, I got and it. Sometimes that's just jumping jacks, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. or whatever, you know. <laughs> oh, you or, do that, or like yeah, yeah, or like some bullshit like that, or get a little windy. Hey, can I get some spritz? Or, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I like to run around the building and stuff, but sometimes you just hold your breath, right? You know. <laughs> Right, and so that's enough. Want... If you don't, <laughs> you might not be able to move. Yeah, you right, know? right, right. So you got to hold your breath or something. Yeah. So I guess like playing somebody like uh, like Chuck Barris. Did you you know? Because that movie is a very interesting movie. It's an interesting book, and you don't even know what the fuck it is. Yeah. And Clooney decides to make a fucking yeah. movie out of it. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And, and did he just approach you and go like, "You're the guy. I think you're the guy for that." Yeah. Well, you know, Charlie Kaufman wrote this incredible script. You know, I and, talked and, to him. Yes, I know. I know. Right. That was trippy. And he's a he's a trippy. A lot of levels, genius. dude. A lot of levels. Yeah, the guy's of, brain's always going. Brain's always going. Hey, whatever's going on right here, the, he's working big problems. <laughs> you know, he's only got a landline. Did you know, you know uh, that? That makes sense. Awesome. Of course. Why wouldn't he? Why, why be why distracted he? with that garbage? Exactly. I want to like those guys who no. respect their mind enough to know that uh, everything is a distraction. It's just going to rob us of our fucking brain. Yeah, good for them. Yeah, good. For I got to check right. my text. <laughs> yeah. No. Exactly. <laughs> It's a nightmare, dude. It's a nightmare. And the only good thing is you can listen to like a podcast or something sure. or look up some, sure. some art shit or look, you got a picture or whatever. Even that's obnoxious. But um, yeah, yeah. No, but Clooney really uh, got me that part. He he fought for me to get that part and, and it wasn't, you know, they didn't want me to play that part. No. They wanted, they wanted, uh, I think they wanted Ben Stiller mm -hmm. and we screen tested and then uh, it was, uh, they did not want me for the part. It's funny because I think that like... Um, you and Clooney probably got along great. You seem like similar spirits in some way. Yeah, I, I really had a good time with him, you know. He's a, a funny guy. He's yeah, like he is a, a funny guy. He's he, one of these weird, classy movie stars that kind of can do everything. And you, you're sort of like, is, there's got to be a flaw somewhere. Like, you know, like, <laughs> well, that's just the way I think. It's like, this, this guy can't be as perfect yeah. as he seems. 
everybody's got something. Sure, you know? but but he's he's a uh, he's pretty pretty awesome. He's like Tom Hanks. You know, he's one of those guys. You know, and that was his first film directing job. So did you feel like yeah. you guys were learning together? Absolutely, he was getting after it. I mean, he was doing his homework. Oh you yeah, know? he he got after it. We yeah. did these incredible Warner shots. I mean, he did an amazing job with that movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. He did no, an amazing it's, it's, job. It's, it's a great movie. Did, he didn't did, really get the credit till later, like 10 years later. Did you go you know? meet with Chuck? Yeah, I hung out with Chuck. I filmed Chuck. <laughs> I spent a lot of time with Chuck. A lot. I filmed I had him tape my lines. Yeah. I was all over Chuck. Chuck did, and I hung out a lot. Did he... Did he... Did he not... Did he... Did, was, it, I, was it true? Did he believe it was true? He did. He did, and I didn't really want to know if it was true or not so i just tried to believe that it was true and i was just doing you know i was doing three days of the condor or serpico i didn't uh, yeah. i didn't want to know what was going on you know <laughs> yeah yeah so but i you know i'd like to see chuck i think he moved to paris i don't know where he is i haven't seen him in years you know i grew up with the gong show on tv you yeah, know and sure, he was just too. this guy hey you know like that the- he would squint the reason he would squint is because he didn't have his glasses and he was looking at the cue cards you know people thought he was stoned <laughs> yeah you know and uh he was a character man he was a character man he created a lot of reality tv the dating game and- yeah you know, games, was, yeah, those weird game shows. Those yeah. were showcases for stand-ups. Yeah, like yeah. I didn't realize that till much later. That like you know, mo- you know, you'd see all these comics on. You know, of course they yeah. book comics, do do bits, do yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's. He, I watched a lot of gong shows. Yeah, I auditioned yeah. for the for the dating game, and it's a later manifestation when I was out you here did. in the late '80s. Like I was all what fucked up on that? drugs and shit, and uh, you know, I just did, I didn't have the confidence for it. I just. What, was, that was back when I was hanging out what, with Keniston and shit, or maybe even before. How do you audition for uh, the dating game? What do well, you, they have, you know, they had, they had segment producers at the time, so yeah. they, you know, they would have regular people, but then they'd want people who, you know, had comic chops or something. So you'd go do a fake dating game, you know, yeah. and and you know, and and see if you if they want to put you on the real show. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, I don't. That's know. it. I, That's I the so, audition. I was so squirmy. I, I, for a guy who spends a lot of time on stage, at the beginning, I'm not sure. I think I was just doing it for, for self-destructive reasons. I don't, I don't want the adulation at the beginning. Yeah, I was just sort of like, Ugh, "What the fuck do you want from me?" Yeah, that was my my <laughs> angle. Why did you make me to come get, here to get exposure? You got talked into it to get exposure or something? What the or? dating game? Yeah, yeah. No, it was money, just one. Mo- I think it was a, a chick actually. You know, she was booking it, and I think yeah. you know we had a thing for a minute, and. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, you know, and then I went to her house, and I, all I remember was like a lot of dirty dishes and bugs, and you know. And then she was, <laughs> she was a producer on the dating game. She asked me if I wanted yeah. to do it. I'm like, all right, you know, didn't work out. And I don't know what That's happened. That's awesome. There. That's awesome. But you have those stories. You get to a certain age, and you spend time in and out of this town or in this business where you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah. shit, that did happen. Yeah. You have some of those? Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. Thank God there was no social media then. You Absolutely. Know, no, God almighty. Some of the shit, no. Right. Some of the shit when I was, did, when man. When things were fun? Forget about it, man. When things were fun? Yeah. So yeah. what about like uh, like all the stuff that you did on television, you know, leading up to, to the movies? I mean, some of that shit's pretty real and pretty, you know, like a good training ground, right? You did some of those procedurals and stuff. Yeah, like t- on TV, Law yeah, & Order and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, sure. That was really, all that was a good training ground. And that's you know? booked out of New York, right, mostly? Yeah, we, that's when, you know, the New York actors were getting jobs on, on those shows. And and now it's switched to like Boardwalk Empire and and this new vinyl. Yeah. You see a lot of New York actors getting jobs there. Right, right. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's all, you know, it was network and indies and now it's cable and... But uh, yeah, it, it was it was it was a good way to make a living, and you know, 
get some training work an actor yeah you know and you, and you as a guest you always come on with like way too much energy right and the regulars are like falling asleep you know <laughs> yeah they're, they're like, like <sighs> and you're like coming in yeah. you're jazzed yeah yeah you, know? you worked all week on yeah your, on your on your fi- uh, five ready, lines yeah you're you ready to cry at... and shit yeah. you know and they're like <laughs> lunch you know <laughs> You know, you gotta be like, okay, let's take it down, Rockwell. Let's take it down. A little too much acting, you know? <laughs> We're just trying to make our day. Yeah, they just want to get finished. You know? oh, You're trying to fuck. win a, win an Emmy. Yeah, I had that horrible realization when I used to do Conan a lot, you know, where I do, you know. I do, do stand up on Conan? Do stand up or panel, you know, do the thing. Mm-hmm. But I'd get there and, you know, we'd go out and I'd get out there and we'd do our thing and the audience. Yeah. And then, you know, there's that moment afterwards. They're like, oh, where are we going now? And they're like, what do you mean? It's, it's our job. <laughs> we did the same thing yesterday who are you you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. well they're not rude about it but you, there's you're like that, this is cool man right right there's that realization like oh my god they do this every day you know i'm just yeah. a, you know you know we just it's i'm just it's a job in a way but it's yeah. show business that's the, that's the sad part about show business i know but it's it's cool to be over eager and you know it's it's actually cooler sometimes, well, you know. Right, but like when you're on set and you're just sort of hanging out, like a lot of people talk about how much downtime there is on set. Yeah, like I, you know, it like it doesn't bother me initially. It's sort of like you know you're like you you go to your trailer and you're like, no, oh, what the fuck am I going to do? I jerk yeah. off? Am I going to read a book? You know? <laughs> yeah. And then and then you start to realize like I'd I, be done if I jerked off. That would be, that would be <laughs> no acting would be happening that day. Where's Rocco? What happened to your energy? <laughs> I left yeah. it in the in a Kleenex in the trailer. <laughs> Oh, totally forget it man no that is how do you manage that time it's 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 i don't like that time at all i mean i hope i that's why i try to yeah. you just gotta get out of your trailer take a walk yeah sit in the chair outside i'll just go sit yeah you know on the set and just like you know watch people do set up things yeah you know yeah. try not to get in the way of the gaffer the lighting guy you yeah know? yeah what well, you got there it's like we're working oh, okay you know i know that's when you wish smoking was good for you you know oh yeah smoking i love smoking on sets but do you, you have know? an appreciation for like because your dad was a union guy for the union guys i mean it's absolutely just... i'm always like very aware of the unions you yeah, know so... people like hate unions they're like oh the teamsters you know whatever yeah you know? yeah yeah but but i i'm yeah the unions i grew up to love unions yeah. yeah and they're like they're 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 all sort of like there's this whole sort of tier of employment on a set you know you get the, yeah you know you got your craft services guy where you like you know where'd they come from you know how yeah. they get the gig like you know, sometimes there's a craft service person that's a little too ambitious and walking around with a tray and you're like yeah i don't know did, did you invent this you know what is this but then <laughs> but then there's the one that levels up and then you got your union guys and then you got your your the, the actors it's just yeah. like in the producer it's kind of amazing it's it is whole, an amazing thing yeah and it's a dictatorship yeah it's not a democracy. I think that people don't always understand. Well, you just hope that you have a, a somewhat benevolent dictator, you know, yeah. like that. Like the, and exactly. you work through a lot of directors. Yeah, like so, a Clooney or somebody who's nice. Yeah, right. hopefully you have somebody nice because it is not, it's not a democracy. Somebody's boss. You yeah, know? did you work with Woody Allen? I did a, I did a little movie with one, I mean, I did, I did a little part yeah. in Celebrity, yeah. which is the movie he did with DiCaprio and I had all these scenes with DiCaprio and- um, You guys friends? We're, we're friendly we know each other but we're not like right. we don't hang out what do you think of the revenant i love the revenant i mean i thought it was like jeremiah johnson on steroids i love you know? jeremiah johnson i mean i thought it was fucking amazing yeah. i thought the revenant was like i thought you i know was like I th- a kid in a candy store you yeah know? he did a great job yeah i and mean a pretty sweet guy like a pretty you know level guy he he's very smart that guy i was impressed with him when he was working with woody allen he was very like he because i was very nervous around woody allen yeah. you know and he yeah. was like 
I mean, he was a, he was a kid, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, I think it should be this way, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, that's what he did. And he was like really self confident. I, I I admired that. I learned a lot from. But that. what he kind of wants that, right? He did. He just wants you to do yeah, your job, right? Yeah, you, you know. And... He, I DiCaprio actually had this great. I had a like a scene in a jacuzzi, mm-hmm. and with a we had like prostitutes, and it was a very it was supposed to be very Caligula, you know, decadent and cocaine and. You know, DiCaprio said, you should have a drumstick or something, like a, like a you know, like a Roman. Yeah. And I said, yeah, that's a great idea. How do I get a, how do I get a drum? He's like, what do you go for that? He's like, yeah, fuck it, just get a drumstick. So we call, we, we couldn't find a drumstick. Let's talk to props first. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. before we present the idea. Yeah. And they had like a lamb shank. Yeah. And we brought it to Woody. I said, and DiCaprio kind of helped me yeah. go there. Right, and, right. You know, and he said, Sam's got this idea. He made it seem like it was my idea, yeah. you know. And Woody was like, you know, do you really want to, Maybe you shouldn't eat that though. Maybe you should pretend to eat it. You know, <laughs> yeah. I can't do Woody, yeah, but yeah. you know, and and so I put some grapes in my mouth and I pretend. But it, but you know, it worked. Yeah, you know. Anyway, it's just it's it's. Uh, yeah, it's, I don't know what the point of that story is, but he's very he's working with Woody. Yeah, and and and, 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 and DiCaprio, and, and DiCaprio. Yeah, very, very nice. guy. I like yeah. that you like Jeremiah Johnson because I actually, I actually had this weird thought before you. Oh came yeah, I'm over. a nerd for the '70s. We could talk about that for an hour. You know? But like, I had this idea that you should redo. You should do a remake of Butch and Sundance, a Butch Cassidy and Sundance oh. Kid. Man, I'd love to do and that. And you should play the, I think, the Redford part, right? What do you think? I mean, I'd play either part. Either part, I do think that you with, could play. You know, I just like that you, you do these parts where you can really kind of, even in Hitchhiker's Guide, where you're just sort of like, you know, it's almost like a rock star weirdo, you know? <laughs> Like what? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I love that shit, man. Yeah, I love that shit too. You yeah. like getting big and funny and weird. Yeah, you know, even the- I really wanted that to be like a franchise. I think I said the that Hitchhiker's earlier. Guy. Yeah, and it's you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was a great. That was a fun character. Yeah, like I, I think I got the idea in my head that you know, do, do you choose like do you have you said no to like huge opportunities? I, I've said no to money. Mm. I've said no to money. Mm-hmm. Um. I wouldn't say like, you know, I turned down the Titanic or something. I, I've turned down every time I've done stuff for money I've regretted it. You oh know? yeah. I don't I don't really just just for the money. I mean right. money's part of the equation. Sure, you know? sure. You, but um you want to feel like you're earning an honest living? Yeah, you know, it's hard to make money in in showbiz, but you know, when you get a chance to it's 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 good, but it's like I I always I try to I've turned down some money. Yeah. You know. Yeah, because you it, because but not just because of the money because the project what yeah. you're obviously offering you a lot of money. No, I want the money obviously, sure. but, but like it, I'm not going to do that for the money. Yeah, you know, there's limits, you know, <laughs> and you're like, I can't, I can't do it, man. Yeah, I can't, yeah, I can't do it. But you're you always know? working, right? I'm always working. I'm fine. I, I, you know, I make a good living. I'm comfortable and and uh, I'm happy just making a good living. You Would know? you do a, a a cool TV series? I would do something like a True Detective, like a ten part thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I. I'm a little spoiled from the movie world, and I like to see my lines in advance. And they do a lot of rewrites on right. those shows, and I don't know if I would do well with that. I've I've done a little bit of that on on Iron Man two with rewrites and uh, and um. So that's different than like improvising. Justin, you really have to, Justin Thoreau. Justin Thoreau, who was a great, wrote this great script, and they they had him. You know, we were doing rewrites and like and, day of shit. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and because thank. If it wasn't for him and Favreau, I wouldn't have got through that thing, you know, because there were a lot of rewrites. Same thing, Charlie's Angels, and so you know, I had to wear an earwig. They, you know, with this gun scene with Don Cheadle, and you know, you don't want to do that or look at cue cards. So I, I think that's the main thing is I'd want to just, and maybe that's me being spoiled and wanting to prepare. But I, when you prepare, when you say, because I, I know like a, a, what I learned is a lot of it hinges on uh, on choices. 
for you, you know like I, yeah. I know there's a, the method element of it is being present but then you sort of have to like you know like like i talked to a guy yesterday uh, this comic who does tv acting a bit and he says he'll look at a line and he'll like he'll see where the laugh is and, and then he'll start taking apart the line thinking like well i can maximize the laughs i can get four laughs out of this line where there's yeah. one written do you yeah. do you do do you make choices like that no, I try to. I try to not. I, even though I I know where the laughs are sometimes, yeah. and I see that instinctively. Yeah, and maybe you, unconsciously you're going for a laugh, but I think that's a danger. There's a real danger there. Sure, sure. You know, but what about just even if it's not laugh, even if for emotional impact, do you do you make those kind of decisions? Yes, I mean, you know, the danger is when you're asking to pass the salt. Yeah, and you know you can get a laugh there. I mean, just sometimes you just got to ask, you know, can you pass the salt? Right. And not go for the laugh. Of course, you know? of course. But, 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 uh, yeah, I, I think I like to stew and shit a little yeah. bit. Stew with the part a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you don't always have that luxury. That's a luxury right. now, you know? Yeah. But if you can get, you know, a couple months to prepare, I mean, you know, there's a reason Daniel Day Lewis is so good. Yeah. You know, he prepared for a year. <laughs> For the Lincoln thing, you yeah, know, yeah. he told Tony Kushner, I think he was allowed to say no more rewrites, you know, right, because right. he has that clout. Right, right. You know, and he's fucking great in that part. Right. Because he prepared for- And he know, does one movie a decade. Yeah, you know, and I, you know, me and Nina ran lines for a year for Fool for Love, and me and Nina Arianda, and, mm-hmm. and, and we did good work because we had a year, you know, yeah. if you have a year or two months, and that's a luxury, and people don't get that, but- yeah, it was. It should be more like that than it is. That's but, true. Yeah, but it's, yeah. You know, it's not that way. Yeah, but, not 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 in movies it, where you're like, we're we gotta we gotta get this done by today. That's why you gotta prepare ahead of time. You know, because oh, that's, that's the extra made, work. You know, but anyway. But when you did this role, let's talk as yeah. we, as we wrap it up about the, about Mr. Wright because you really your performance and your relationship with Anna Kendrick is is. It's great, and and this I imagine you look at this guy and you're like, well, this is a guy that used to kill people, and he really doesn't want to do it anymore. So, yeah. So yeah. like I could see how that could be sort of characterologically a, a meaty thing to sort of work on. Like you know this is you know you're presenting yourself yeah. in a very you know flat tone about what you're doing, but you're telling the truth, but it comes off as jokes. But there's part of you that's really wrestling with the with the with the morality of the thing. Yeah, sure, sure. It's, I think I think um, there's a book I read about psychopaths. For seven psychopaths, actually, I think some of the homework. John Ronson's book. Yeah, is that the one? yeah uh, some, the, the, the psychopath the yeah, British guy the right? psychopath test? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's great. He's that a great book guy. was really helpful. He's funny for, the, for seven psychopaths, which is a Martin McDonough movie. And I think maybe some of that helped, but but really, I mean, the, a lot of the homework was just, I mean, like movies like, I mean, literally like *Romancing the Stone* or *Gross Point Blank*. I think yeah. having that kind of tone tone, you know, and because we got Anna, we were really lucky because mm-hmm. she could do that you know it's a it's a particular thing well i think i i, I love what you do and i and i and i love your presence and you, you, hey, you do thanks. great work vice versa dude and i'm vice glad we versa. got to talk yeah man and uh Me good too. luck with the with the talk today you're gonna you're gonna be sitting with aisha all, yes that's right who you went to high school with yes we that's, did we briefly dated yes and, oh did you yeah, yeah, oh, yeah well get prepared to talk about that yeah yeah you ready <laughs> you, you ready to do yeah. that okay yeah, ready. thanks man thanks man How great was that? That was fun. Me and Sam Rockwell. The movie is Mr. Right. It's got Anna Kendrick in it. Comes out this Friday. You can always go to WTFPod.com for for that kind of stuff. My dates. Oh, don't worry about it. Go to WTFPod.com slash calendar. I think that uh, Nebraska is sold out and Iowa City sold out. Kansas City on the 10th at the... um, 
Midland uh, Theater, whatever. Yeah, grab tickets for that. You can go to WTFPod.com slash calendar. What else? Oh, yeah, I'm on a Trapper Shep album. Their new record, Rangers and Valentines, comes out uh, on Friday. You can get it wherever you get music. And if you check out the last track, Dream, you'll hear me on guitar back there in the mix. Yesterday, me and my buddy Jack Bulware, just who I hadn't seen in a long time, we hadn't hung out, just set up a couple amps in the living room yesterday and jammed like old guys. It's funny what you end up on. I think we did... uh, I think we did uh, Cowgirl in the Sand for a half hour and Stormy Monday for another half hour and felt like rock gods. That's the way that works.